Hi there, my name is Paddy Butler and this podcast is brought to you from Liberia, a bookshop by Second Home. The German band Kraftwerk is widely recognized as one of the most influential creative acts of the post-war period. But the sheer range of influences from which they drew on is something the writer and cultural critic Uwe Schutte focuses on in his layered little book Kraftwerk, Future Music from Germany. We caught up with the author to discuss the concepts behind such killer albums as Trans Europe Express and Computer World. And in light of that, do check out some of the other incredible music to have come out of Germany around that period, including Can, Popel Vu, Neu, Faust, Cluster, of course, with the brilliant Brian Eno, and the exceptional DAF, Deutsche American Freundschaft. And some of the artists mentioned in the programme, such as Bernard Hillebecker, Joseph Boys, and Martin Kippenberger, whose retrospective at the Tate some years ago was exceptional, to say the least. But now, more talk about music and the machines with Uwe Schütte. You know, the influences that feed into Kraftwerk and their incredible music um, are wide and far-reaching, but, you know, they come from Dusseldorf, the Ruhrgebiet, Rhineland, and and a lot of post-war artists are feeding into their aesthetics, such such as Sigmor Polka, but also, you know, the likes of Andy Warhol. Could you give us an idea of of that landscape? Yeah, so, but you're restricting yourself now to the fine arts in a wider sense, uh, because sure. architecture and other. Uh, well, ideas let's go also, into that. Yeah, yeah. let's. Okay, let's yeah, talk yeah. That. Well, I mean, we could spend an entire podcast, I guess, I, talking well, about well, that. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think what needs to be taken into account and what was something that I wasn't that aware of when I started out before I undertook more research was that Kraftwerk really started out in the art gallery of Düsseldorf at the time, <laughs> due to the fact that in the late 60s there wasn't really any pop music culture in Germany, hence there was a lack of infrastructure for bands to play at regular type of pop music venues, so they were looking for a way out and Düsseldorf, by again several coincidences, happened to be the art capital, mm. a major center of art in Germany. And so there was a huge network of uh, galleries and art spaces or the, mm. the art school, which um, also offered opportunities to appear for collaboration. That's where they met Emil Schuld, who had studied under Boyce and other important artists. Mm. And um, I think the role of Emil Schuld is as the kind of the fifth Beatle, yes. yeah, the fifth Kraftwerk member, is hugely um, underestimated because um, though he didn't contribute musically because he's not a musician, he contributed ideas, concepts, uh, and, and did practical things. Yeah, so with like the cover design and, and, and all these sorts of things. So um, Kraftwerk were really from the beginning keen to operate or to perceive themselves as a complete artistic package, Gesamtkunstwerk, yeah, yes. as we say in German, and which has uh, uh, some strong connections to Richard Wagner, but is not really the same. It's more kind of a pop cultural interpretation. It's more because the words sound so uh-huh. great. And, and the idea is, of course, great to extend um, music by uh, the visual component and then all sorts of stuff fed into it, um, more trivial stuff like comic comic strips that they had um, 
drawn for them for one of their albums, up to um, the industrial photography of Burton Hill Becker, Becher, yeah. yeah, the Becher uh, couple. Um, and, and there was lots of things that I wasn't aware of, or like the Bechers I'd sort of heard of as literary can you, critic. Can, yeah, can you, can yeah. you like, can we talk about that a little bit? Because yeah, of course. I, I guess I want to get to the point where you know, I think I think it's important to discuss the like Warhol, craft work are really for me trying to break with the traditional aesthetic which is european mm, western yeah. aesthetic yeah, 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 and yeah. and and post-war germany bernard hillebecker are really take you know they're they're pioneers in this in this realm in the sense that they're photographing um the 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 kind of hangover of the industrial revolution and they kind of make these beautiful fo- photographs which are in effect sculptures of, mm-hmm. of yeah, or yeah. relics of of this iron age, this iron industrial age and yeah let's talk about that you know that that kind of i suppose you know a, not alliance but you know there's an affinity there with craft work and and warhol and that break with tradition yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, on which I'm not an expert, really. I just recognize the similarities. Um, and um, I, I recognize, for example, that the, these traffic cones that they're using, these pylons, um, which are using time and time and time again, that that's an idea by Emil Schultz, who um, decided uh, that there's some sort of symbol needed to reoccur on each and every release and um, that you go for the simplified aesthetics like the Campbell soup can. Yeah. Mm. Um, plus, of course, the idea, and that I think that's very crucial, of, of the studio, that you would have your own studio, yeah? And that's a clear derivation of, of the factory. Yes. Yeah, but then if you look like Warhol's championing, or Warhol's championing of pop music in the form of the Velvet Underground, um, at least, in a way, uh, the undergrounds and, and, and craft were com- comparable in terms of being advanced or being innov- innovative. Mm. But, of course, the sound is entirely different. Yeah? So, yeah. Um, the rock and roll versus yeah, electronic music. But um, I think the, the, the interesting bit, and you, you mentioned the kind of huge spread of influences, is that they pick and, and chose sort of tiny bits and and um, connected that with um, their own aesthetics or with their own plans. They saw what fit or what would make sense. And when I'm saying they, again, I should stress and remind myself, Emil Schulz suggested yes. to them that this might be working for you mm. well, blah, 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 I think. Um, so, yeah, um, and it's specifically German and is specifically European at the same time because there's such a huge number of influences. Also like, um, for example, the French cycling culture. Yeah. 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 So that they would go mad about the, these French cycling brands and, and, and these outfits, etc. Yeah. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's, of course, uh, something prototypically German. Yeah? Yeah. Having to do with this lack of self-esteem um, of the Germans after the war and looking for European international influences. Yeah. Okay. Let's that that leads directly to I guess their first album or one of their mm-hmm. earliest albums at least. Um, I mean, I know that their their early uh, incarnation was called Organization, but maybe we could talk about that a little bit later on. Let's let's go on to Autobahn because that relates okay. yeah. l- relates but. directly to, 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 to where the conversation is in terms of 
I, I guess the politics, the influence, and the cultural landscape. Um, yeah, let's talk about all band. The, the, the this really is the first. You know, we get a clear idea of craft work in terms of music and their sound. Can we yeah. talk about that? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, to me, the crucial thing um, were, and even at the time when I was a child and, and listening to that for the first time, were the German lyrics. The yeah. fact that there was a band singing in German, which was essentially unheard of, literally. Yeah? Okay. Um, bands would not sing I- in the German language unless it's like crappy Schlager, um, <laughs> entertainment, conservative things for, for parents, but not something that was sounded at the same time utterly strange and exciting mm. and, and, and new. Uh, and then also wasn't about boy meets girl or something, but at Autobahn yeah. and, and something that um, particularly to a child or to any German forms a huge part of, of their life. And I was living at the time, not close to Düsseldorf, but also in the same region of Nordrhein-Westfalen. And that has a huge autobahn network. Mm. And uh, when we went to see relatives or whatever, we would always go on the motorway. And, uh, and it was fun because that was sort of really driving fast. And I liked it mm. as a child, etc. So, um, apart, um, but apart from this sort of autobiographical um, reminiscences, um, the, the, the autobahn is also an, a symbol for German, for the ambivalence of German history, for the successes mm-hmm. of the post-war era mm. uh, on the one hand, but also harking back clearly to the Nazi past, even though this myth that Hitler started building the autobahn is not really true, but essentially yes. Yeah? So he designated them as um, the, uh, the motorways of the Führer, yeah? so that's what they were called. And so to any German, it was a, a national symbol that um, reflected the two sides, the ambivalence of German history, the um, failings and the successes. Um, that Kraftwerk picked such a national symbol um, as the theme for a pop song, which then in the end wasn't a pop song because it runs for 20 minutes and yeah. which also in its form emulates the experience of being on a motorway, you know? the repetitiveness and um, the, this, this, this notion like that you hear uh, uh, to turn on the radio and you hear the song played mm-hmm. on the radio. I think all of these were, I mean, with hindsight, with um, everything that's been sort of produced in the postmodern era, it's fairly simple. But at the time, mm. there were so many innovative ideas and so many strange things happening and going on there that um, it really constituted something special. And interestingly, that was picked up by an Anglo-American audience, not by the Germans themselves. Well, yeah, they that had was, yeah they yeah. had immediate success in, in in America as well. That's that's it's it's incredible how it was yeah one received. of the most yeah one of the most surprising things I researched and and really tried hard and and I'm that positive now that I found and looked at everything. There was only one review of the album in the German press. Wow. At the time. Yeah. So it, it then took two or three years and then it then it comes up, creeps up and it's being sort of discussed time and time again. But in it was released in November 74, mm. uh, 74 yeah. And uh, there wasn't anything uh, up to 76 or 77. 
And it's it's quite interesting because there are other artists around at that time who are dealing with the road trip. Wim Wenders is a mm-hmm. is a great uh, yeah, yeah, film yeah. German film director, and I guess I I guess do you think Kraftwerk are the first artists to deliberately con- you know ask the German people to reflect on their history, their recent history in the in the sense of you know, as you say, Emil Schuld with the with the cover the cover art for the album itself is yeah. extraordinary. It's the autobahn and it's got the VW on one side going in one direction and then the Mercedes in another direction. And that's quite pointed, isn't it? And it's quite yeah, it's, it is, it it's is. very strong. It's it's a powerful message, isn't it? Of course, of course it is. Um, when you say artist, you're probably referring to music and film. But remember, I'm a literary critic, so okay. um, I'm well-versed in the German literature. <laughs> and, and they're, of course, and they're not by far the first. There are plenty okay. of writers. yeah. And, and literature at the time, of course, um, had a much, much bigger cultural impact. Okay. So um, you can't really compare it. But if you look at uh, pop music only... Um, then, of course, it's true. There, there was, again, something I wasn't aware of and only discovered um, because an English friend pointed it out to me and I've forgotten how it was co- is called, an album like German Bunker or something like okay. that, um, where uh, which was done in the late 60s, which was really like dark and had, had um, the face of a German army soldier and the Iron Cross on it. So right. that, uh, in a way, if you're looking for like the first pop, German pop musical clear reference to the Nazi past, then you would probably look at that. But that's some sort of thing that's been forgotten has only been sort of re-released recently for the sake of that it has uh, in a way a cultural historical relevance but i mean no it's it's stupidly enough i can't even remember because Mm. it never played a role in any way it was um total flop also of course probably because it uh, referred to german history so much but graphic really pulled it off by picking the autobahn and by really hitting a nerve Yes. Musically okay. and artistically, and, and, and that's why. And it was also another band um, called Ihre Kinder, which had uh, featured German lyrics earlier than Kraftwerk. Okay. But again, they're completely forgotten. They were never really any in any successful. So, um, okay. yes, um, it's always like, but the, they're not the first, but the first who really made an impact, who okay. really were successful and who really deserve attention. And to really draw out the, yeah, as you say, draw attention, but draw out a dialogue to contest it and to, I guess to be mm. a little bit controversial as well, because, you know, even the aesthetic of the music as well, it's, 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 it is like a machine, isn't it? It's like an engine, it's, it's, it's propulsive, it's driving forward and it's kind of asking, yeah. it's, all, it, 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 it's asking so many different contradictory questions, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go on quickly to okay. Man Machine. Because, ah, okay. Um, and again, can we start with the cover art? Because I, I think that... It, goes back to uh, I guess the Bauhaus influence there. Absolutely. And this is important to the Crawford story and it's also important to your book in the sense that you know they're influenced by this incredible uh, movement of pre-war art or early 20th century art. Yeah, Yeah. avant-garde art. Avant-garde art and there's a feeling there that you know if it was allowed to go on the the, the, you know the, the creative 
propulsion or the creative endeavor would have carried on whereas it you know they craftwork i guess florian and ralph i guess feel like they're reigniting that creative uh, path would that be fair yeah. to say yeah, of course, it would be fair to say, because, um, again, that was a result of the impact that the Nazis had. Mm. Um, so if you were a young German at the time and you were like looking back to your tradition, what mm. happened there, um, then you, of course, look into the abyss of Holocaust, mm. genocide and world war. Um, but you needed to look further to the beginnings of the 20th century, to the avant-garde art movements. And um, there they would find plenty of things um, which, that, which they then tried to, in a way, resuscitate, to mm. pick up, to um, modernize and then to integrate into their contemporary um, aesthetics of the 70s, or if we're now uh, at Man Machine of the late, se- um, late 70s. So um, that, I think, is crucial that, um, um, that they looked back, despite the fact that the first thing, if you look back, uh, you see something horrible and, mm. and all the, the, the peers of their generation didn't look back at all because of uh, the horrible things they saw when they looked back. And the Nazis cut short this development in the early 20th century. So Germany would have had a kind of continuous line of um, avant-garde developments if it hadn't been for these 12 years where all these avant-garde artists were either killed or mm-hmm. driven out of the country and um, then kind of this, this, this movement destroyed. So Kraftwerk, in a way, were um, um, yeah, continuing or made it their job to continue this line. What, how would avant-garde art look like? How would an avant-garde approach to music sound now, now in the mid to late 70s? Okay. And do you think, and, the, and I think that's what they pulled off. Do you think the music reflects that then? Uh, you know, as in the, you, you, you've got that architectural sort of cover art and, mm. you know, the Walter Gropius, obviously, you know, Bauhaus. Do you think the music within that, uh, the album succeeds in reflecting that? Yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I, think, I, do, I think it does. Um, just if, as we're talking specifically about a man machine, the point about band machine is, of course, that everybody, particularly in this country, loves and likes the model. Yeah. And that's the odd one out, clearly. That's the yeah. only non-futuristic, um, non-technologically themed song. And that's the. it's also such a sort of simple hit song, um, which contrasts with the more um, sophisticated, multi-layered and more machine repetitive, like this this motoric sound that they developed on Autobahn, I think there comes to its full fruition, um, in, in particularly also in the instrumentals, yeah, where, which can do away with song lyrics, but just showcase pure electronic music, the sound of the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go on to because I want to, like I love Trans Trans Europe Express is is obviously an incredible album and but I I, I want to get on to Computer World then after mm-hmm. that but um the I for me um musically and you know they they were kind of glibly criticized for not having a soul and but whereas with Trans Europe Express I think musically they 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 really capture something quite unique don't they because it's kind of a confluence of so many are mer- again merging of so many different things the the idea of 
you know, transport, the train. But that's married yeah. with this, the, the, the musicality of the, the whole album. Can we talk about the confluence mm-hmm. of those two things? Because it's quite yeah. interesting. And for, from my German perspective, the important point about it, of course, is that um, they, with this, um, in a way, intermission of radioactivity, they moved from the German Autobahn to the Trans-European Express. Yeah? And, and, and that, that's the point. From the German national symbol ambivalent to the positively connotated mm. idea of yeah, Europe endless, of borderless travel, of um, ever of an ever closer union yeah, mm. between the European countries. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. very important. How does that sound? How does that sound today? Um, and and that's what fascinated me about it. And then, of course, the sound itself. Mm. Um, and I think the glorious, glorious sound. Musically, yeah. much more successful um, to to transpose the everyday sound of a technological machine mm. uh, of, of an engine-driven vehicle um, into music, and to give a sense of that. I think it works even better than autobahn. I think so as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and also, um, Autobahn, if we talk about Autobahn, we also, we never mention the dreary, boring second, or um, B-side, yeah, the second mm-hmm. album side, um, where this fake, romantic nature thing, of mm-hmm. course, um, always bores me to no end. Unfortunately, uh, it's, it's short. Um, but on Trans Europe Express, you have uh, such um, sweet, beguiling melodies, yeah, like yeah. on Europe Endless and, and on Franz Schubert, etc. So I think the, these two sides of the soft yes. German, folky, mm, mu- or, or classical music tradition side yes. and the ultra modern, that is just amazing in, 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 the, in modern contrast, but in, in its unison. Yes. Yeah. No. It is. It's kind of yeah. That contrast between the industrial and the the, the romantic. It's almost Sturm und yeah. Sturm und Drang. Absolutely. Some, some, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> to some extent. Um, okay. Well, then let's let's move on to computer world because okay. again, um, they 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 could have uh, they could have gone with 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 what they had produced thus far uh, and been totally successful but again they transform themselves again yeah. they look at you know they're looking to the past but they're looking to the future that i mean it's as you call it it's retro futurism uh, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit as well because it, it, it is quite important but i i, I mean i'm uh, we've touched on it as well already but not specifically not directly um computer world it's my favorite album i think think mm-hmm. um and yeah. i mean uh, computer love i think is besides from numbers actually i think i and i say i love numbers because i'm i'm a detroit techno fan so i think a lot of techno fans will realize why i love numbers but uh, computer love is is just absolutely gorgeous and computer world that the, the whole album itself is 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 quite incredible and it's Again, it's a, it's another concept album, isn't it? Or can we yeah. call it a concept album? Yeah, of course, of course. And that's the great strength of, of crafting. And again, in all likelihood, an idea they picked up from uh, Emil Schultz that mm. to make pop music or to turn pop music into an art form, 
um, albums need to be not just an entire artistic package, but also need to have a common theme, uh, a common concept, um, because otherwise uh, you can't create this unity mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in the Gesamtkunstwerk. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so, and, and always, of course, picking up on recent events. I wasn't aware until I did more research on it, how to which extent really um, contemporary debates in Germany at the time and political developments fed into the album um, and influenced them. So that was really at the time to a, to a German audience, a commentary on German domestic politics. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and then again, um, in what sense? Yeah, with, with, without um, uh, making it German-specific because you come from a different culture and we are both in a different uh, time now, but we still can appreciate and love the album. Now, uh, at the time, and I um, clearly remember that, um, was, um, I mean, that might be a European phenomenon when these video games came up, when um, the, the the first first generation, obviously, were these, these very sort of, um, simplistic pong thing, yeah, where um, uh, this dot worked like a tennis thing, but but then um, video games became slightly more sophisticated, and they feature in the lyrics, um, yes. or only in the German lyrics, mm-hmm. um, because these they were cut um, for the English version, which um, uh, does more repetition of the lyrics of the key lyrics rather than discussing the video games. So I found that was something important. Then we had the kind of technological advantage in the form of what Germany was called Bildschirm text, um, video text, um, which, uh, again, um, I think the Germans were the first to introduce that or to trial test it. And again, that is referenced. Uh, important, of course, for computer love, where this idea is that you mm. meet someone, and, and mm. I think there were dating, of course, also dating or personal ads uh, for, to <laughs> meet people on Bildschirm text at the time. But the political thing that I initially mentioned, um, that was the uh, right-wing terror Bader-Meinhof group. Right. Um, where um, the German equivalent um, of the FBI, um, where there was a guy running it who firmly believed in the power of computers to apprehend uh, the criminals. Right. And uh, by doing, by letting the computers do this dragnet search routines and um, hoping to kind of Again, against the German background, we had um, the Gestapo in the Nazi era trying yeah. to sort of spy out and, and, and control um, the population. At the same time, of course, we were well aware that in East Germany, the Stasi yes. was doing a kind of more primitive, but essentially the same job as then the West Germans now also did, trying to use the latest technology to spy out the population, to do a um, computer-based surveillance operation to apprehend um, a few criminals. And now, does that remind us something in the yes. age of NSA and GCHQ, etc.? Sur- surveillance so, capitalism, yeah. Yeah, and, and Kraftwerk were stopped um, twice, um, or, or stopped once, and had the, had the apartment of Florian Schneider raided once, so they had twice come into contact with this anti-terror police, um, where they were suspected to be terrorists, I mean, and that gives you an idea of just sort of 
normal average musicians are mm. being suspected um, by the police of uh, being identical with um, uh, wanted terrorists, then um, it gives an idea of, of how widespread that was at okay. the time. Yeah. And how silly, of course, in the, in the first instance when they were stopped because a member of the public had ratted them out that this guy looks like the terrorist, blah, blah, blah. Um, it turned out that the policeman was a Kraftwerk fan and recognized them right. and let them go. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably a bit more traumatic when you had like armed police storming your apartment. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And um, then you had to prove that you're not a terrorist or not harboring any terrorists. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Um, the the album itself also they they adopt and and use new technology. And one of the interesting things I've I I, I saw it in your book, which you mentioned, is the use of uh, Texas Instruments, um, mm -hmm. a translating device yeah. to 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 for for the vocals on on yeah. the album that's that's actually fascinating in itself yeah but it? so too yeah, yeah and, and as a child i was also fascinated by it i had a cheaper version because these were essentially toys i mean they were not that that expensive yeah and um but fortunately in this day and age of internet yeah, and and uh, lots of real Kraftwerk nerds who know much more about the bands and these trivia than me mm. and you just uh, do a Google search and, and you find a demonstration um, by some Kraftwerk fan and um, look here this is the uh, vintage machine that I bought and the car boot sale and uh, then they play the melody, the exact melody yeah. at the beginning yeah, of, yeah. of the Kraftwerk song <laughs> wow wow yeah. um, I also found out that um, the the car horn sounds and the uh, sound of the door car door closing at the beginning of Autobahn right. um, were just taken off from some uh, from from a record. Um, what are they called? Was so some uh, were sort of sample sounds right. were yeah. for studio use were um, being recorded. So despite Kraftwerk's claim that it's all been sort of created meticulously by themselves, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they just nicked uh, sounds um, of a readily available um, album uh, record um, for, for some whatever um, uh, radio play producers and so on who needed um, these noises. And, and, but then the creative use of, um, of the Texas Instruments gadget you mentioned, it was, of course, then that they incorporated it into the stage show, that they passed it on to yes. the audience at the end, so that the audience, nowadays, of course, impossible to imagine, could kind of play them themselves and yeah. would kind of hear it during the concert. Yeah? Well, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, the, the, the live performance, because that is, in itself is, it's, it's, it's almost like performance art, isn't it? And, and they, of course, they that's are, the point. They are, they are precursors as well in terms of video art, you know, before MTV, they they produced their own videos, which yeah. are which are exactly. astonishing. Yeah. And it, I mean, MTV incorporated it actually as well into into their ongoing uh, promotion. Um, the yeah, I I mean this. Sorry, just to go back though, because I yeah. think this is important. The Kling Clang, their studio again, as you mentioned, 
in quite in quite like the Warhol factory. It is a musical instrument in itself. The whole studio. That's and it's a con. It's, yeah. it's an art concept piece in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is transferring that to the to to the to the stage and the performance can we yeah let's let's just talk about the, the, their live performances and how that evolved shall we say mm-hmm. yeah. yeah how that evolved and um again the crucial highly innovative idea was of course for the 1981 computer world tour to modularize their studio and actually literally take the studio on the road and and to reassemble the machines they had in the studio for the music production live on or on on the on the stage mm. so that they could play the studio and that this um, difference between live performance and a studio album and live performance and that would disappear because um, now they were using the machine, not a kind of second-hand version or simplified or um, playing pre-recorded music from tape or whatever, mm-hmm. but live reproduce what they played in the studio to record an album. And um, that, uh, again, today, absolutely normal, because you can just hook up any laptop and mm-hmm. um, the same machine that you use to produce the sounds uh, you can now use a live performance. But at the time, that was, of course, hugely um, innovative and, and, and also very clever and, and a technological mm-hmm. problem because technology was far more, obviously, prone to errors and um, to failing uh, under, under particularly um, high temperature conditions, which often um, occurred on stage. So um, that I think was 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 the the starting point from where they put so much stress on having the latest technology available mm. for the live performance. And many people I still encounter that prejudice. Oh, but they're not playing live; they're just you know running stuff off the table. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but um, I mean that's the very point that um, they do have um, technology there that allows them to play or to reproduce the studio sound as perfect as it were in the studio. And but obviously being humans, mm. after all, uh, occasionally press the wrong key or do something wrong, and and then um, you at least realize that uh, this is not a kind of robot show, but live musicians playing four of them playing together and um yeah you you mentioned the the video aspects the the projections as something i think that uh, is or that more stress was put on on the visual side because Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons and and rightly so i think craftwork didn't release any new musical material and um, so if you see and, and um, understand your, your art as a Gesamtkunstwerk, then yeah. there needs to be much more than just the sounds and just the music, but also the, the visual aspect. And, and so the live shows, the visual aspect of live projections have been developed over the recent years. And um, now it is really sound and vision in an amazing truly amazing way but there's a there's in the early kind of i guess their pioneering work in you know computer graphics and 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 computer art there there is this identification with again 
visually uh, uh, with man as robot and i think that mm-hmm. has that has a deeper historical thread as well which you mentioned in the book uh, which yeah. reaches back to the, the 18th century and yeah. uh, uh Le and his idea of you know man as machine can, can we can we talk about that as well mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah, I think that's very interesting, um, uh, and um, because it evolved um, as as a philosophical idea that mm. uh, in in the pre Enlightenment age um, that man and it's not entirely wrong of works like a machine in a way. Yeah, given how complicated our bodies are functioning and and how reliant we are on, on, on the various parts working in, in unison together for us to live. But um, the, um, the interesting thing that I found out was that uh, pretty soon, oh, once this, this philosophical notion of, the ma- of man as a kind of human machine yeah. had evolved, then um, the philosophical idea was translated into the me- mechanical engineering idea of building these uh, automatons, yes. as they were called yeah. at the time, um, or, of, of puppets, dummies, whatever, which were sort of um, operated with various av- stuff, um, technological things that were was available at the time to make them look um, man-like, human-like, and that, of course, is very uncanny yes. um, to see f- at the time for people, you know, of course, to see a puppet all of a sudden come to life. So that's also to do with these romantic ideas with, the whole Frankenstein idea, Mary Shelley, of mm. course, to create a human or a living entity out of that matter. Um, and But the interesting thing, of course, I found was that um, very, very soon the majority or many of these automatons were musicians. Yes. And so, yeah, so that these mechanical constructs not just sort of move their limbs and and move their head but were actually playing music yeah yeah drumming playing the flute and and these sorts of things so um there there's really a huge huge background to um, the man machine idea in the cultural historical terms and then of course in the 20th century uh, again, avant-garde, the first robot yeah, in, yeah. in German expressionist film, in Metropolis, uh, up to then the Star Wars robots, the lovable yeah, mm. CP-30, etc., um, or the Terminator films in, in, in popular culture, the, this artificial robot android um, yes. being, of course, plays, plays a huge role. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and Metro- yeah. Uh, just going back to, as you mentioned there, Metropolis by Fritz Lang. I mean, Trans Europe Express. There's, there's a, there's a, there's definitely references in that in the video for, of course, for, yeah, for that, isn't there as well? The, yeah. la- the landscape and the, the 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 train, the futuristic train, which was, I mean, there is one model within the the video as well, which which had a kind of. Um, the, uh, it was a, there was an experimental train developed in I think it yeah. was by the Nat was it by the Nat so it's fascinating I mean it is incredible isn't it for 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 a band like Kraftwerk which you know you think about their music in terms of uh, of it being very 
minimal and influenced by Stockhausen yeah. and, and, and these avant-garde artists who are quite, res- shall we say, restrained or, uh, shall we say, avant-garde. Whereas, you know, craft work, they are minimal, but they are maximizing on all influences in, a, in, in, Absolutely. in yeah. subtle yeah. and very, very creatively brilliant ways. Yeah. Astonishing. Okay, well look, I mean I I mean other okay, the last last thing can we talk about okay. um look, I know uh, bands like Noi can they they were around at the same time and even came before uh, Craftwork, but then Daff uh, came mm, along. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about a little bit about those how Craftwork uh, I mean their legacy and their, you know, they've influenced whole movements. I mean, there's a there's the famous uh, saying by Derek May, the Detroit techno pioneer. Like he he says, uh, Detroit techno is like putting uh, George Clinton and Kraftwerk into an elevator, and and that's that's Detroit techno in essence. And I, you know, I mean, it's unparalleled their influence, isn't it, across the landscape. Um, certainly, they're absolutely right there. Though, um, I would think one needs to point out that DAF would be hugely offended if you were to view them as a kind of Kraftwerk-inspired band. I think it was right. the the atmosphere of Düsseldorf yeah. at the time that inspired um, lots of musicians to take similar approaches. Okay. And I think in that sense, it's a German approach. Uh, it's approach different to um, the blues, black, American type mm. of tradition. Mm. Yeah, the only later obviously came together with uh, the Detroit techno, etc. It's different to the... Beatles, Rolling Stones, mm. uh, a British type of approach to pop music. Um, uh, yeah, and, and so um, the influence really, and I think it came later, and um, it then only, or that a band like Duff um, is, is still revered and, and, mm. and that attention is being paid to them. Of, of course, I think in that sense, you're right. Uh, is connected to the fact that they're also from Düsseldorf, so that in a way um, the the the, the, cra- the success of Kraftwerk um, points the light to Düsseldorf, and then you look, there must be other things from there mm. which are also great, and, and indeed they are, but they're not necessarily directly inspired. It's just really okay. more uh, a kind of well, uh, fertile was a fertile ground okay. um, at the time for. New approaches to music. Okay, um, last last question. Uh, mm-hmm. A bit of a bit of an odd one, but oh, go ahead. The Beach Boys. Now mm-hmm. their experimentation in 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 music with pet sounds. Do you think that that may have in some way influenced um, Florian and Ralph? You know, in in the at, at the early stages. Is there is there is there any evidence for that? Yeah, well, it is such a shame of, um, that we are not able to really ask the people. And um, mm. I think the the person who would know is Emil Schultz, because my suspicion is that Emil Schultz would have listened to that and then kind of pointed it out or suggested ways how to adapt that to to the Kraftwerk sound. 
Oh, I'm wrong. My suspicion is wrong. And it was indeed Ralph and Florian who came across it. Mm. Um, all we have is um, um, the the factual knowledge that uh, Ralph and Florian were very keen on the Beach Boys. They went to see them live several times. They really liked them and with hindsight declared that um, the type of ethnic music from Germany that mm. Kraftwerk tried to make um, was their interpretation of the happy-go-lucky California um, beach surfing <laughs> sound, um, which again was sort of obviously in, in sonic terms pretty specific. Um, yeah, so again, I wouldn't overestimate the direct influence, okay. but I think, um, as I said in the beginning, picking and choosing, um, looking around you, trying to assimilate rather than to imitate. I think that's um, the best explanation because ultimately in the end, the, the product, what we, what we can hear if we listen to Kraftwerk, isn't that derivative. It, it's um, yes. mostly yeah. innovative. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, I think okay. that's it. Yeah. Good, good. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Super interesting insight into the working influences of Kraftwerk with a very genial and charismatic Uwe Schutte. You can grab a copy of his book from Liberia, of course. It's a real trove of cultural brilliance. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do please give it a five-star review and do check out the rest of the shows on Apple Music and Spotify. See you next time. <laughs>